0: I'm David Freudberg, host of Humankind, and I love my work, the opportunity to talk with remarkably enlightened people about things that really matter to all of us. And honestly, the most fun I have is when I hear from listeners I've never met, often from places I've never visited, who've been touched by our Humankind program. The grants we get from the funders you hear named on our program simply don't cover all our expenses. And if you like what you hear, we're asking for your help so we can keep the program and this podcast going. Please visit humanmedia.org and at the top of the homepage, click on How You Can Help. Thanks. Humankind is produced in association with WGBH Boston and supported by the Humankind Program Fund. Additional funding for this series has been provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, the National Institutes of Health, the Annie E. Casey Foundation, and the Park Foundation.
1: I do an enormous amount of speaking around the country in congregations. And whenever I raise this question, there is like a (sighs) caught breath. Oh, yeah. And people begin to talk, yes, 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 I am overworked. I can't stand it. I don't know what to do about it. You mean it's not just me. Religious
0: activists speak out about how modern overloaded schedules take a toll on our quality of life. You're listening to Humankind. I'm David Freudberg. be the defining characteristic of our era, the unrelenting time pressure that so often leaves us feeling tense, agitated, and exhausted. Corporate life is on overdrive. Engulfed parents race to catch up. Even the activities of childhood today can be frenetically overscheduled. For many people, this speeded-up pace of life invades their spare time, encroaching on the quiet periods we all need to digest and reflect. And that troubles a growing number of clergy, like Rabbi Arthur Wasco in Philadelphia.
1: We have gotten so effective at getting work done in the last century, we human beings, we Americans, even more than most other human beings, at making, producing, inventing, consuming, that we've gotten addicted to it. It produces good results in the short run, and the energy has become... Uh, a definition of what it means to be a good American. So no rest for the earth, no rest for individual human beings. You get advanced economically and pat it on the head culturally and psychologically if you really, really overwork.
0: Long hours at work generate some of the stress, a condition aggravated by technology that's so instantaneous a person barely has a moment to breathe in between phone calls, emails, faxes, beepers, cell phones, palm pilots, and God knows what else the future will issue forth to make us all toil faster and harder.
1: Who gets overworked in this society? Well, you could start by saying single mothers who work in fast food. Uh, restaurants who get paid terrible wages and who, desperate, just in order to make ends meet and pay the rent, take on a second job or maybe even a third job and end up totally exhausted. All right. And blue-collar workers, we met with workers who were being forced, required, to take on 20 to 30 hours of overtime on top of their regular 40-hour week. Now, why were they doing that? Well, the companies had downsized uh, plants uh, in order to save money and increase profits, but the work hadn't been downsized, so more work was coming in. They didn't want to hire more workers because that meant they could save uh, on benefits, etc. So they would rather pay even extra salary or wage money, uh, time and a half, uh, if they didn't have to worry with more additional workers. So the workers in these plants were uh, being required to do compulsory overtime and on the job itself, even in the regular 40 hours, they were being pushed into very intense speed-ups. We talked with people at one telephone company plant where the big job was answering the telephone. People were calling in to uh, make, you know, to become new customers, to end the customers to complain about service, whatever. And when they downsized, that is, fired, half the people in the plant, and the number of telephone calls didn't go down, uh the first thing that happened was the consumers, the customers, got put on hold much more often. So their time got eaten away. Then uh, what would happen in the plant, the workers told us, is that when the number of calls on hold went beyond a certain level, the, uh, there would be a big bell that would ring in the plant, and this would announce red alert. What did red alert mean? It meant you could not leave your desk. You couldn't go to the bathroom. You couldn't stop to just schmooze with another worker. You couldn't go get a cup of coffee. You were pinned to the desk until the red alert ended to answer the overflow of additional phone calls. So they were feeling under enormous pressure. This is a new kind of post... I'm not sure if it's post-industrial or not, but a kind of post-industrial version of the uh, assembly line speed-up. Now shift focus again to... The law partner who's making $250,000 a year, he certainly doesn't have any problems, does he? Uh, If he won't work a 70-hour week for his law firm, there is clearly something wrong with him. He is not serious about being a lawyer, and he had better watch out. So here are these three, you would think, totally separate social classes that actually have this pressure for overwork in common. For all of them, it means forget about the family. Forget about neighbors. Forget about the PTA. Forget about dealing with whatever problems your kids are having in school. Forget about uh, volunteering for the church or the synagogue or the mosque. Forget about the Red Cross. Forget about all that stuff.
0: Calling attention to the damaging effects of an overburdened lifestyle is the Free Time Free People Committee, a Philadelphia-based interfaith group of religious activists concerned about the spiritual impact of burnout. Among them is Will O'Brien, an advocate for the homeless and an editor at The Other Side, a Christian magazine. He believes that human beings have a profound need for rest and contemplation, for family time and community time.
2: In my work at nonprofits, there's still a pretty good number of folks who are volunteering, but we also hear a lot of folks who say, I wish I could get involved. I wish I had more time to do this, but I'm just too tired, you know, to do uh, tutoring to low-income kids or to, to help with some of the formerly homeless residents. Um, and, and that plays itself out not just in Project Home, but my organization, you know, not having the volunteering we need, but I think it volunteering is such a rich experience for anybody that if they don't have time to do it, their own sense of the world and of human relationships is is weakened quite a bit. I heard a story a couple years ago that the average American teenager eats at home with his family once, maybe twice a week. Um, Maybe I'm too old or something, but I just find that a startling fact. And, And the more I hear about family life, I think that's true. Um even if it's not strictly an economic issue, there's this pressure for the kids to be out doing all kinds of activities. Uh, my peers who are parents um, are exhausted running their kids to all these things. The family sits down together. That's where stories get told. That's where a lot of character formation happens. That's where relationships get bonded. When we think about all the struggles kids are having these days, and it you know it plays itself out in one way with the poor kids in poor communities, but um, rich kids, uh, middle-class kids, um, Let's throw it on the table. Columbine is one horrific example of kids gone wrong in this culture. You know, I think that part of it is there is the family cohesiveness. Not that every coherent family that sits at the table is going to avoid problems with their kids. So, but that's one area that I, th- I think kids are missing out on some quality family time. So I think those are a couple areas. And then I, off- I hear from everybody. I just wish I had more of a sense of community. community is one of those great words we hear all throughout this culture. People are thirsting for community. I don't think people even know what community means. What do you think it means? I think it means that there is quality time in sets of relationships that give you a sense of meaning and security. There are people who would take care of you in hard times. There are people that you can be intimate with, that you can share your struggles with, who will be there for you. And to be there for you, you need at the least time. Um, it might be your religious community, it might be folks at your church or synagogue, it might be a small group that meets on Wednesday nights. Um, and to the degree some uh, congregations are starting to carve out time for these things, you, you find people's religious and faith lives and personal lives are deeply enriched, a men's group out of their church or synagogue, a, a women's group. Um, p- people are trying hard to make time for these things, and when they have those experiences, you can see how, how just important they are to them in so many aspects of their lives. Uh, but you also find people struggling to to do that
0: the attempt to carve out personal time and time for community is pitted against what some have called our market culture it's the powerful engine driving us to work harder seducing us to desire more and newer possessions in the distance you see the yellow sign and smile this is your s-curve and as the exhilaration races through your body you think This is a minivan? Introducing the stylish 2001 Mazda MPV. The voice of marketing bellows at us ceaselessly from all manner of advertisements. There's almost no escaping the insistent promotion of products by our popular culture. This unremitting force of the world is why spiritual traditions have always beckoned us to set aside downtime, to build into our lives an opportunity for relief from the relentlessness. The theologian Abraham Heschel described the observance of Sabbath, a day for being with ourselves, a day of detachment from the vulgar, of independence of external obligations, a day on which we stop worshiping the idols of technical civilization a day of armistice in the economic struggle with our fellow humans and the forces of nature. But the custom of pausing for a day of reflection has been all but swamped by the market culture. Rabbi Arthur Wasco.
1: It didn't make more money if people paused for Sunday. It didn't make more money if uh, the Jewish community paused for Saturday. It didn't make more money if people on uh, Labor Day and the 4th of July and Washington's birthday just had picnics and met with each other and visited the neighbors instead of having the sale, right? What happens now in American vacations is that people don't stop the economy. They turn on a different economy. They turn on the economy of the motels and the hotels, the airplanes and the tourist uh, attractions, and people spend lots of money, to get as far from their neighbors as they can afford to get. Uh, Once upon a time, a holy day, a holiday, was a day you spent, in fact, with your neighbors. Uh, You spent time in church or in synagogue or in the mosque. You spent time singing and dancing. You spent time hanging out uh, and, and simply visiting and sharing food. So there would be the church social. Right, and the covered dish dinner and the Shabbat dinner all that you would do Uh, but that didn't put very much money in people's pockets it was very close in you didn't use the automobile uh, because you were talking to your neighbors they were within walking distance well the pressure I think the big pressure has been a market pressure
0: What is the deep human need for rest
1: and for reflection? I think one of the things we've realized is that every spiritual community and tradition on the planet teaches the need to fulfill that need. For Buddhists, it may be the time to pause in meditation. For Jews, it's the 25 hours of Shabbat, of the Sabbath. For Christians, it has been the Lord's Day Sunday and many uh, saints' days and various other ways. For almost all religious traditions, it's simply taking time for prayer. Uh, Jewish tradition, you know, was a hundred times a day. One should pause to thank God, the unity of all, for this gorgeous life. Uh, There was... A moment of eating, a moment of hearing thunder, a mo- all such moments. were Well, every such moment is a moment of a tiny Sabbath, a tiny pause. So when you say, what is the need, I think it's very deeply built in, right? The biblical tradition says, hey, so deeply built in that the cosmos itself, the whole creation was built around the notion that there was such a thing as needing to not make, right? The seventh day is a day of not doing. Whether one uses that model in its kind of simplistic form, or one says, there is some deep rhythm in all of life. Look, why do we sleep? Why do human beings sleep, right? Wouldn't it be more efficient not to need to sleep at all? It's clear there is something about that rhythm of doing and being. You just need time to, to process the frenzy of life? That's one way to look at it. You could say that the frenzy is necessary in order to serve the deep need of being. I mean, which one you want to take as the ultimate value or maybe the rhythm. You see, my own view is there is also a deep human need to work. There is also a deep human need to get your hands involved with the earth, with other human beings and make something new and different happen. Uh, And to feed, heal, all those things. That, I think, is also a deep human need and a reflection of the divine. But to say that's all there is, I think you just look around and see it's not true. People talk nowadays about the type A personality. What the type A personality is, is a person who doesn't rest. I think I've talked to physicians and biologists about this. A cancer cell is, in one sense, perfectly healthy. It just won't rest. It just won't stop and catch its breath. It just wants to grow and grow and grow and grow and grow until it knocks everything else out of alignment. There is something about the way we are all put together in which we need to honor, even each cell needs to honor the other cell's ability to pause.
0: What are the consequences to our lives, to our ability to be whole human beings, if we don't get enough downtime or any downtime?
2: I think we know that just an astonishing number of Americans would describe their lives as having some degree of stress.
0: Will O'Brien of the Free Time Free People Committee.
2: We just push ourselves too hard. We sometimes literally kill ourselves or certainly we compromise our physical well-being. Another level would be if we don't step back and take time for quiet reflection, prayer, meditation, if that's how you understand it, a deep need for meaning might get compromised. Do we ever step back and say, is this, is this what I want to do with my life? Does this express my values? Am I happy with, with the quality of my relationships? If we're just constantly going, and those questions are probably stirring about in us somewhere, and if those questions are never really attended to, there's, the I think, the deep possibility of, of discontent and unhappiness in people, which can then um, translate into things like addiction, addiction. Um, domestic abuse and other things, uh, where where the harm we're doing ourselves spills over into harm against others. Uh, so you
0: see a direct link between this absence of enough downtime and and severe social problems?
2: I think so. I think a lot of problems are people acting out their own inner inner pain that doesn't get resolved for many reasons but one is they never take the time they need to deal with their inner questions and their inner search for meaning or when it gets to a point where there is dysfunction and pain happening are people even taking care of themselves you cannot take care of any aspect of your being whether it's you know a leg that's gone bad or or a addiction that you're dealing with or a grief over a death unless you step away and give the time for that healing I have a tradition, and I have to work this out with my spouse and child, um, of taking at least two retreats a year um, where I'm away for an overnight at least, um, by myself with quiet and times of prayer. Um, and then I try to, obviously, try to work out where uh, my spouse could do the same thing. So that's built in um, to sort of the yearly rhythm. Um, and then maybe a couple other times in the year I would try to carve out a whole day or half day to just you know, be out in the woods and Um, take quiet time there. Um, I try to get in about an hour or two of quiet and journaling at least once a week. And then ideally, if I can control some of my my own work habits, I would have time for daily prayer, half hour to an hour every day. Is it hard for you to... Sometimes it to, is to
0: steal yeah. away from the world, time for prayer and and for the kind of reflection that comes when you're writing in your journal.
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, I can easily get caught up in the sense of um, this is just so urgent. I'm just going to have to put off the prayer and quiet time this week. Um, and so I, I'm part. I have a kind of addiction to productivity and urgency and, and and work ethic as much as anyone else. And I always have to watch that in myself. I also recognize that if. I get caught up in it, and there's been a whole week or more when I really have let loose, let go of my disciplines of prayer and quiet. I feel stressed. I feel more anxious, and I feel bad parts of my personality coming out. And I realize I've I've, gotten away from my, my rhythms and roots of quiet time and prayer. And I can see how it starts to affect my relationships. Mm-hmm. So you're making an
0: interesting point here, which is that on a daily basis, mm-hmm. having downtime, not necessarily hours and hours of it, but some downtime can be very healthful for you.
2: I think so, uh, for me personally. And I I think within the Christian tradition, there's always been the notion that daily prayer is is important to our spirituality. And most of my peers and friends would say, oh, I'd love to do it, and when I can do it, it's great, but I just am too busy most of the time. So I content myself with my weekly worship. Um, But there's definitely a hunger in people for more.
0: And what's the problem there? What's the problem... In people who who wish they could have this daily uh, reprieve and and who can't find it,
2: well, Arthur talked about uh, productivity as sort of an addiction, um, workaholism, but I think it's even more than just workaholism. I don't think we know how to rest. I don't think we've been trained in it. It's interesting in the biblical tradition um, i mean the the word is is not as harsh as it sounds, but God commands the community and the people to take this rest. As if to, to realize, and I think this plays itself out in human psychology, we're not very good at disciplining ourselves often. We, we want rest, but unless we really work at structuring it in our lives, there's an irony, you have to work to rest, but I don't think our cultures and our, our culture and our society gives us enough permission to rest or, or gives us models of resting.
0: people reprioritize their lives so that taking time out to reflect is key to the way they live?
2: Here again there's an interesting cycle. Uh, it's hard for me to do it on my own. I need to do it in the context of a community beginning with my spouse and my family. And then others in my community, my work colleagues, um, certain people will watch my child if I'm going to, and, and help my spouse if I want to take a day off. Or if she wants to take a day off, will, will my community and friends say, "Well, we'll take, we'll take our, your son for a day"? So community and rest are very much symbiotic in this sense. And because we're such a radically individualized culture, we all often think, "Well, how can I do it?" Well, the fact is, often I myself can't do it. So what we have to learn is both the practices of rest and the practices of community, and as we learn both those things, I think they feed each other and they empower us more.
1: I was very struck by what Will just said about the need to have some, some community to rest. Rabbi Arthur Wasco. Because classic, absolutely classic, in the Jewish world, wherever I go in the Jewish world, people will say, I can't make Shabbos, that is, I can't really live a Sabbath on my own. I can't. And every Jew I've ever met says the same thing, that there has to be a community to have a real sense of Sabbath. Um, So I think there is a really deep, intrinsic connection between community and restfulness. And I would say one of the first things people who are feeling stressed out and don't initially know what to do about it to do is to find some friends to sit and talk with, to bring together just five or six people. I mean, you might indeed begin with a spouse or a family member, but five or six people simply to get together for an evening, to just breathe and say, you know, I am feeling really stressed out. How do the rest of you feel about that? Is there anything we can do together about it? Can we come together for one evening a week, one evening a month? simply to spend time together, sing together, will somebody say, hey, I'll bring the old songbook, I'll bring the new one, uh, somebody pops corn, the old-fashioned things, right? I mean, just indeed once a week or even once a month, The uh, to, to live that life just even that much. So that's absolutely one thing I would certainly say. Uh, I would also say that the reservoirs of caring about this are more likely in this society, in fact, to be in the religious communities than most places. And, and we, why, why is this? And, and why has this concern
0: bubbled up in the religious communities?
1: Well, in a way, I think that's what religious communities core. If you peel away everything else, that's one of the things that's there, the chance to reflect, the, the, the time to pause in a funny way, is what makes them religious communities. As I said, even prayer. You're not doing anything when you pray, right? The whole idea that it's not a waste of time to pray, you know, where are you going to find that?
0: Rabbi Arthur Wasco along with Will O'Brien of the Free Time, Free People Committee in Philadelphia. You're listening to Humankind. I'm David Freudberg. Our program is presented by Human Media in association with The Network Incorporated. Studio recording by Steve Colby. Editorial assistance from Brendan Tapley. Program development and support provided by Shart Media.
1: To purchase a CD copy of this program, please call 1-800-5-LISTEN. That's 1-800-5-L-I-S-T-E-N. Or visit our website, where you can also obtain an audio download of this and our other programs and can
2: hear selected episodes free. You can access free written materials related to this program as well. Our web address is humanmedia.org. That's humanmedia.org. Again, if you'd like to purchase a CD copy
1: of Humankind by phone, please call 1-800-5-LISTEN. And our web address is humanmedia.org.
0: This segment about free time with Rabbi Arthur Wasco and Will O'Brien is Humankind Program number
2: 25, The executive producer is David Freudberg. This is Humankind. To hear more episodes of Humankind, you can subscribe to our free podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast player. A new episode each week. The podcast title is Humankind on Public Radio. And if you enjoy this program, be sure to leave us a kind review at iTunes and Stitcher. If you want to support the program, please visit humanmedia.org. And at the top of the home page, click on How You Can Help. Again, our web address is humanmedia.org. Thanks.